0: Listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network.
1: And now here's Mark Miller and David Moulton.
2: Third and final hour of Miller and Moulton in Lake City and surrounding areas, Tampa St. Pete, Fort Charlotte to Venice. Greg Wachinski to talk about the NHL All-Star Weekend, which is in Florida this weekend. Panthers playing host. We'll talk pucks in a little more. Then 30 minutes time. Pat Kerwin, kind enough to join us once again, courtesy of Pinchers. He does so from Mobile, Alabama, the site of the Senior Bowl. Pat, you've been there since Monday afternoon. You've watched three full days of practices. How has Senior Bowl week gone?
3: Well, if you if you know what you're coming for, it's terrific. You're coming here for mid-round picks. Hopefully some seconds, definitely thirds and fourths. And if you're really a gold miner, you're thinking you're going to hit it in the fifth round. Pete Carroll always talks about getting woollen, the fifth-round cornerback that should have been an all-pro in a lot of people's minds. So there's good talent in the middle rounds. I was talking to Stephen Jones about it yesterday, and he said, yeah, we're not really here for the first round. It would be nice. There'll be a couple. Usually there's six or something like that. It's the senior bowl, so the underclassmen can't play in it. And consequently, the high first round picks, which are typically the younger guys are not here, Uh, but it's got plenty of gold nuggets in the offensive line. That's the group I usually start off with because historically, the senior bowl offensive line is where the real good players are.
0: Well, as you start preparing for the draft, um, is that the hottest position group or is that just where you've spent the most of most time?
3: I start there because, first of all, there's a lot of them. Secondly, I do believe that you're going to find the players that you want. And uh, and this year did not disappoint. There's a couple of guys. Dewan Jones, the Ohio State tackle, he was phenomenal on Tuesday. And he's athletic enough. First of all, did you see his wingspan? I don't think I've ever seen this. And I'd be at 33 straight years. His wingspan is seven feet, three inches, I believe. So when he sticks his arms straight out, it's seven feet, three inches. He's got terrific feet. He played right tackle at Ohio State because they have a first round draft pick left tackle, but most of us believe he can play left tackle. And I would think that he's going to be hard to pass up in the first round. It's 6'8, 375 pounds and looks pretty good. I interviewed him. He was terrific. Uh, I love the center for Minnesota. I think that guy went from a third round pick to the bottom of the first round. Schmitz, he's a terrific football player. He's the best center in the draft and he is here and he's got more than just skill. He is a leader and uh, he's got the respect of everyone here, every coach, every player. So there's two right off the bat. The kid from North Dakota State mock. He's another guy. He's a tackle in college. They moved him to left guard here. He can play tackle. Uh, extremely physical and anyone who's running this G scheme where they pull the left guard to get in front of uh, the power play uh, here's your man so probably second or third round for him so there's those kind of guys all over the place I love it
2: if you were advising a quarterback would you advise him to come to a senior bowl because they got to come in they' get thrown an offense and some terminology that maybe they don't have you know anything remote experience with and a bunch of players they haven't played with would you advise a quarterback because i think levis needed to show up to one of these games east west or the senior ball i think if you're not one of the guaranteed quarterbacks that you need to show up at one of these would you advise quarterbacks to come to this or is this too much of a crapshoot
3: no, I would definitely have him here and I'll give you some historical notes on that subject. I told Carson Palmer to come here. He'll end up being the first pick in the draft and he was phenomenal. Baker Mayfield came here and put to bread, you know, and the perception of him changed into first round top of the first round. Donovan McNabb came here as an option quarterback and left as Philadelphia's choice. So I can give one after another of good things that happened. And there's a lot of guys that came here as fourth-round pick quarterbacks and landed up getting drafted higher. Colin Kaepernick came here. Russell Wilson came here. Um, And most of those guys played well enough in this week. Everyone knows the problem with coordination of receivers and everything else, but they came and they showed they could throw the ball. The NFL, all you have to do is go to the three practices and watch these quarterbacks, the ones that can throw the deep out, Um, And then you interview him. It helps all of them. So I don't understand why that Kentucky kid didn't come here. He would have been by far the best player. The quarterback group is not very good. He would have just stood out as a thoroughbred and and absolutely put his name in the battle with the other two quarterbacks in the first round. Is there a higher spot?
0: Is there any of the quarterbacks there that have turned your head? You said the group's not very good on a whole, Pat, but is there anybody that uh, is improving their draft stock this week?
3: Um, yeah, I think there's a couple of guys that have gone from undraftable college free agents to sixth rounders and fifth rounders. But so everyone here has been talking about Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was the first alternate for the senior bowl last year and nobody got hurt and no one turned him down. So they never brought him in. And Jim Nagy and I talked about that. So he went as Mr. Irrelevant. If he had come here and demonstrated the skills that we now witness, he would have gone in the fifth round. He would have gotten in the fourth round uh so are there guys in that case the one guy is i like the shepherd college kid he's he's working out in fort myers i've been watching him when i go over and maybe we'll all go over and watch his workout you know a couple guys are going to work with him but that guy has a nice release of the football he's pretty athletic um and i think he's gone from shepherd college who's that kid to like a fifth round pick
2: well quite frankly who is that kid and where the heck is shepherd college
3: well his dad is a, his dad is here He's a national arm wrestling champion you could ask him he'd probably break you in half for not knowing where he's from shepherd college no idea where it is but he's here and i got a chance to meet with him over in fort myers at their workout facility so i, I was familiar with a lot of things about him and when he gets here the first thing you notice is he's got an arm it's lively. He can reach all the points on the field that you throw, which is always a good idea. Uh, he's a self-corrector. He was having a little bit of trouble on Tuesday with the out route to his left. I got him on the air and said, it didn't look very good. What are you doing about it? And, and there I am sitting with guys that are quarterback coaches. Rick Newheiser was with me, and Rick loved his answer of what he was doing wrong. And he went out and corrected it and on Wednesday. It was, it was terrific. So he's, he's coachable. He's big enough, 6'2", and about two twenty, and he can run, and he's got a lively arm. So, he you know, he told me here's one for your point on Shepherd College. He put his name in the portal uh, after his junior year just to see where he would stand, uh, and he got he got invites from three big schools, and then he decided to return to school. But he said, I didn't know people that knew me, and and he got yeah, we want you. So he threw for over five thousand yards two years in a row here. We'll see how he does.
0: Tyson Bagent, I believe, is who you're talking about. Yep. And By the is- way,
2: it Shepherd College just changed their name to Shepherd University. Okay, they're in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. They're a D2 school. They're the Rams. He's got a helmet that
3: looks like the LA Rams, you know. So <laughs> he, he, maybe it's a subliminal message to the Rams. You need a young guy on your staff here. But anyway. Those are the kind of stories that can happen here. And maybe not everyone feels like I do, but when you look at him, people thought that the Fresno kid, Hayner, is going to be the one that they'd like. But this is a bad group. I think it's going to be tough for the receivers to show what they can do. As we always worry about the quarterback, the receivers kind of need a guy that can throw to them. I'm not expecting big performances in the game on Saturday.
0: Well, um, I didn't watch a second of the Pro Bowl. I'm guessing you did not as well, but Derek Carr making a little news with some comments, and you know, maybe that's why I'm leaving here, but also saying I'm not going to extend the date right now. I mean, he has all the cards in this situation, doesn't he, Pat?
3: Absolutely, all of them. And he knows when I see him talking like he is with a big smile on his face is how I perceive it, uh, his agent already knows where he's going. That's how those things work. And all he has to do is say, February 14th, no, I'm not doing any restructures. His job is not to get the Raiders draft picks. And people sometimes think he owes it to them. He doesn't owe them anything. Take it easy, I'm out of here. So I, I would think he'll be out, and then you know he's going to get a job real fast.
2: Do you think that the Raiders are not handling this well? That you think that they could have like said to Carr, listen, tell us where you want to go, but let us make a deal so we can get something, okay? Oh, I mean, sure they, they. Carr is saying that there has literally been no communication from the organization to him, and since he has a no-trade clause that he'd have to waive, I mean, you know, the Raiders have to talk to him if they want to get something for him.
3: Well, I think they already know he's not going to listen to him. It's not, it's not vindictive. It's just he wants to go out. He doesn't need them to get a deal. They need him to get compensation. And there's no reason for him to do it. And nice guy. They wrote that contract with no expectations they'd ever be doing this. That contract reeked of, he's our guy forever. And when you put February 14th as the deadline date on guaranteeing roster bonuses, basically, you know you can't get to the trade area. You can't get to a point where you could do something to get compensation. So this deal gives him the way out, and that's why the agent got that deal.
0: So is this kudos to the agent, bad job on the team for even putting a deal like this together, or is this just a matter of they thought he was the guy and they were wrong?
3: They thought he was the guy and they were wrong, and they had no problem putting this deal together because they thought he was the guy. He's very talented. He's the face of it. And the guy said all the right things. I don't want to play for any other team but the Raiders. Well, he found out he does want to play for someone else.
2: By the way, since we last spoke, Tom Brady retired. Yes.
3: Your thoughts? I'll tell you about my seven-year-old grandson. He was at the kitchen table doing his little homework, working on his letters, and news came on the TV screen, and he stopped, put his face in his hands and cried for 10 minutes. And my daughter sent me the picture and I go, my goodness. I didn't even know she knew who Tom Brady was. And I called him and said, Are you okay, Connor? He goes, no, no, I'm not okay. You know, so that's the that's the range of things that happened when Brady retired. And hey, I'm pretty sure he means it. The irony that he retired this time on the exact same day he retired last year. Weird.
0: Very very weird, to say the least. That uh, struck both of us as well, Pat, that it was a year to the date of the first one, leading people to speculate that this isn't the end, but I think we all believe that it is.
3: Well, the money's right in Fox, and the Fox people, you know this better than anybody. You work for those guys. I don't think they ever knew exactly when he
2: was going to show up. Now it looks like he they know. Although Mark and I are both surprised that apparently he's not showing up even on set for the super bowl on february 12th i don't know guy played in 10 of them won seven of them if you're paying i'd like to think 375 million can get a guy to show up but apparently not we'll see he's pat Kerwin, moving the chains on nfl radio cbs's nfl today show joining us courtesy of pinchers tampa to key west many points in between pinchers because you can't fake fresh not only that
0: Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network.
2: 21 minutes after the hour, our remaining moments with Pat Kerwin. Live from Mobile, the site of the Senior Bowl. Final practices today, game tomorrow. Then he heads to Phoenix. Super Bowl 57, Eagles slight favorites over the Chiefs. By the way, are you excited about the game?
3: I am because I like football. You know, take your eye off the ball here. This is a great game to watch linemen. You start looking at the offense and defensive line of the Eagles and then the offensive line and the defensive line now of Kansas City. There's a good game in the trenches here, and I'll be anxious to see how they try to handle each other. So I love football at that level, and this game's going to provide that.
0: You know, with that being said, too, and you, I love that Eagles defense, but Andy Reid should have some things to come up with. I, I'm fascinated there with what that D-line is going to do because I thought even if San Francisco had everything, it was going to be the difference in the game. So I'm excited to see what they can do against this Chiefs O-line.
3: Yeah, and, and the Chiefs O-line, Cree Humphrey and those guys, they're good players. They're going to think they have ways to get it done. Um, look, Andy doesn't like to run, and this is a bad defense to run against, so – I think he'll have his game, and hopefully the quarterback, Mahomes, will be healthy enough to be the normal Mahomes um, and be able to not have to hop up in the air every time he throws the ball to protect his leg. So I don't know if it's a high-scoring game. I'm not really looking at it that way, but the more I sit here and think about it, the more I think it won't be a high-scoring game. I think both of these teams can slow each other down.
2: Early betting has driven the under down a couple of points. It originally opened at 51. The under, I've seen it as low as 48 and a half, but it's also in the 49, 49 and a half range. Since we last spoke, Sean Payton did not take your advice after all, and he took the Denver job. First off, did you think the Saints got enough in compensation? And then B, your thoughts on Sean Payton working with Russell Wilson, who has some similarities to a Drew Brees.
3: Okay, that's two big meaty questions there. Um, Yeah, they got enough. I mean, they got what they need. Look, they need young players. And who knows? They might parlay those picks into more picks, which they're capable of doing. They need an injection of youth. The salary cap is working against them. The age of many of their players is working against them. So yeah, they need it now. It's going to get two years to get those kids ready. So I would be surprised if they don't parlay the two picks, the one and the two, into more than that, which is, they needed that kind of stuff. Now, in regards to the comparison, it's funny we're having this conversation. We had it yesterday, Jim Miller and myself, along with Rick uh, Neuheisel, and I don't see the comparison, except that they were both 5'11". One guy stands in the pocket, Drew Brees, with that overhand release of his, and will throw from the pocket all day long. Russell is kind of like, he he wants to move around. And sometimes he felt like he had to move around. So their style of play, and this is what I'll say, if Sean's a smart guy, but if he goes in there and tries to install the Drew Brees passing game, he'll be frustrated. He's going to have to install the Russell Wilson passing game, which is mimicking how he played in Seattle. And I don't think Denver really was doing a great job with that last year. They were trying to make him something he wasn't. So. Be careful with Russell. He is what he is, and he's not going to change. Not at this point in
0: his life. Can he still be a runaround quarterback that gets it done?
3: I thought last year he, and maybe you guys will disagree with me, I thought he lost a step in his escape skills. He did not look like he could run like he did. Some people thought he was overweight. I just thought he was slow. Um, If he gets himself re-energized and really focuses on that part of his game where he's training to run, he might bring it back for a year or two. But Phil Simms says it all the time. No one ever gets faster, Mark. We always all get slower.
2: And I wonder if some of why he looked slower last year was because he was unfamiliar with the offense and maybe he just didn't know where to go. The one thing I will say, Pat, Russell Wilson towered over the coaching staff last year. He doesn't do that anymore. I I think Russ is going to have to change. It's a guy who's got a big ego. It's a guy who some people say is not a good teammate. He's going to have to change now because now there's somebody who can tower over him, if you will, in the organization and basically be like, dude, you got to do it my way and we got to be successful or else you're the failure, not me.
3: I agree with that. They would have made a huge mistake if they didn't bring in someone of Sean's status. I didn't think Sean was going to be interested in this job, but he's there now and You're right. Russell is not going to have the opportunity to have an opinion. He kind of, you know, he's if if Sean wants one, he can get one from him, but he's going to tell him what to do. Um, Sean's got a nice way with the quarterback. He's a quarterback himself, and he he knows how they should be treated. He's not a tyrant in any way, shape or form, but it will be his way.
0: Anybody going to take the Arizona job, Pat? I mean, I know there's only 32 of these, but it doesn't seem like anybody wants to coach in Arizona.
3: That's a scary proposition, but I think either a young guy that's never been a head coach, he'll he won't turn it down, or maybe Brian Flores, uh, one of those guys. So I, I someone's going to take it, but it's a really it's a high risk job. Now I do like the owner; he's a good guy. He's he's not fun to work with, and he's not nuts like some of the guys. But I don't think a veteran guy would look at that job as anything but a graveyard for his career.
2: If, you're, if you were just hired as the new GM in Arizona, do you go get like a, a Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz-type veteran quarterback who probably doesn't have a starting job for him anywhere else, but I can give you one here in Arizona for at least the first half of the year because Kyler Murray's hurt and is not going to be available? Is that what you would do at quarterback? I think you have to do something like that.
3: You know, the fans, they've had a terrible home record. Go look at the home record. Awful. And now uh, you know what that means. Season ticket holders don't want to, And now they know Kyler Murray, who might have excited the fan base, for those who just like to see the kid run around. Why would they buy a season ticket? So now you really have to put someone in there that can win games. The question, though, that you ask is a tough one to answer because the two guys you reference, which I hear you loud and clear, you're building an offense that has nothing to do with Kyler Murray. Right, Kyler Murray can't do what those pocket guys do. And you know, Matt, Matt says he wants to play still, which I don't know. There might have to be a different choice.
0: Where's your hunch that Aaron Rodgers will play next year?
3: Uh, that's a good question. At the end of the day, I, I'm still going to bet on Green Bay. If, I, if we we're betting, I'll just bet on uh, that he's staying in that lane. Wow. it's more it's more fun to talk about him leaving though because that's a more intriguing story. The boring story is the one I just delivered but there's compensation issues there's salary issues there's the quirkiness of him um, so I, I think he's the kind of guy that everyone would like to talk oh, what about Rogers you know and you have all day meetings on that. But then at the end of the day you got to remember he's in the driver's seat on that and I don't know I don't know that anyone's going to want to give Green Bay what they want for him and who wants to pay him that kind of nut right now is you and that's another thing. the, the, the sacrifice you're going to have to make on players you have to cut in order to have the space for him I, I think it, I think it's harder than people think and I've thought you know I could easily plug a name on a team and say it, he'd be great there. Um, Tampa Bay doesn't have a cap space to handle him. Carolina, uh, the Jets, the Jets say they want to do it. That doesn't mean anything to me. When, when, when owners, yeah, You're supposed to never talk about players on the contract.
2: He's Pat Kerwin, moving the chains on NFL Radio weekdays 3 to 7. He's part of CBS's NFL Today show. He joins us twice a week throughout the season, courtesy of Pinchers. Pinchers from Tampa to Key West and over a dozen locations in between Pinchers because you can't fake fresh. Pat, enjoy the rest of your stay in Mobile. Safe travels. And we'll try to figure something out next week. Yeah,
3: the the time slots are going to be a little strange.
2: (laughs) Just (laughs) a little bit. Yes, sir. (laughs) Be good, fellas.
3: Thanks, Pat. Who
2: do you like in the game? Uh, Gut-feeling Eagles right now.
0: Yeah, I'm right with David. Miller and And Moulton.
2: Say hello to to Mrs. Moulton for me, please.
0: (laughs) Miller and Moulton. Say hi to Mrs. Moulton for me, too, right here on the Florida Sports (laughs) Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network.
2: 22 minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Thanks so much for being with us. We started the show with a hard-hitting question. Can it be a football Friday if there's no football game played this weekend? You know what is taking place this weekend? NHL All-Star Weekend. It's in the Sunshine State. Panthers playing host. And that's why Greg Wasinski is in Florida. Senior writer of the NHL on ESPN, ESPN.com. You can follow Greg on Twitter, Wyshynski, W-I-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. Greg, it's David and Mark. Thanks for doing this again. How you been?
1: I've been good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Well, it is our pleasure. Listen, we got a question. We're going to take it straight from our Twitch chat room. Do the Lightning need to improve to go back to the finals, or can they just be the Tampa Bay Lightning and do it again?
1: <laughs> I think the Lightning do have to improve, yeah. I mean, like, um, so when I look at that team um, and, and their status as a, as a cup contender, uh, you are thinking about the attrition in their lineup over the last few years. So, you know, they won back-to-back cups, then they lose their entire checking line, Gord. Coleman, Goudreau, they all go their separate ways because of the free agency and the expansion draft. And they make it back to the cup final, but they don't win. And and you could feel in that run where they lost to Colorado, the the loss of, of those players from that lineup and, and what they meant and what they could give that team when they needed it. Um, now all of a sudden it's not just those guys that are missing. Now they're missing, you know, Ryan McDonough. Now they're missing um, Andre Palat, who is such a huge and key contributor to them in their postseason runs. So I, I do think that they have to go out and find a, maybe a couple of, of veteran guys to sort of fill those roles um, before they can actualize as, as a real, you know, big-time uh, odds-on-favorite cup contender again. Um, and the good news is that they've shown themselves very adept at the trade deadline in finding the right guys for the mix. Look no further than Brandon Hagel, who they acquired last year, who this year has been tremendous for them. Um, so, I, I, you know, I put a lot of faith in their front office to figure this thing out, but I do think that there are some uh, holes to fill before the Lightning are really going to actualize as a contender.
0: Well, take the cup contender out because I know they're not, but the Panthers are disappointing this year. They, you know, playoff team a year ago, President's Cup, and all of a sudden they can't get out of their own way. What do the Panthers need to do to fix what's going on?
1: Consistency. Um, You know, I think part of the problem right now for the Panthers is that they, they went really big in all in last year um, and it didn't, it didn't come. It didn't come to pass. You know, like they traded a first-round pick in a draft that is extraordinarily deep and and very very top-heavy for Ben Sherat last year from Montreal, and, and that didn't work out um, either in their you know pass through the playoffs or in the players' performance. Uh, and and so they've spent a, a little bit of, of capital already. Um, they don't have a lot more to spend in, in pr- improving the current group. So you're kind of rolling with what what you got um, unless you've, you've decided what you got isn't good enough and there's a sell-off. And, and that's kind of where they are. Like this is either going to be a team where the supporting cast um, levels up in the second half of the season, plays extraordinarily well, gets them to the playoff bubble and, and returns to the playoffs. Or, you know, GM Bill Zito is going to have to take a look at this lineup and say, okay, you know, is there the opportunity to move one of the Sam's Bennett or Reinhardt to improve this team down the line if if I don't think this group is really clicking like it should be. So it was going to be really hard to recapture the magic of last season. Um, I predicted a 20-point drop in the standings for the, for the Panthers. It'll probably be more than that at the end of the day. Um, but they still could rally for a playoff spot in the East. I don't think that the wild card situation is out of reach for this team quite yet.
2: Well, they better rally and make the playoffs. My goodness, to have the two years that they had back-to-back and have the talent that they have and not even make the playoffs. I know the East is loaded, but come on. They they need to be one of the eight. But at the top of the East is the Bruins, who up until a week ago were on a historic pace. Greg, for the record, Miller and Moulton thought the Bruins were a playoff team again. But this team got bounced in the first round this year, last year. <laughs> Where did this Bruins team come from?
1: <laughs> I was just—I was I actually had this conversation yesterday with Andre Stechnikov from the Hurricanes at the All Star Game where I'm where I'm at uh, this week, and and I said to him, I said, "Dude, they they're good, but they're like a juggernaut. Like what what happened year to year?" And and his answer was kind of the first part of, your, of of your question is the most important part. They're, they were always good. <laughs> you know, they were always. A really good team it's not like they've come out of nowhere to do what they've done it's just that for whatever reason the pieces have clicked together in a way that they haven't before my my own personal theory is that it was partially the return of David Krejci as their second line center he was in the Czech Republic last year Um, he's a really good player and and not only that he's a really good player that intrinsically understands that team and that lineup and and those personalities so it's, it's the best acquisition you could make Campus Lindholm's a defenseman they acquired at the trade deadline last year from Anaheim. He's turned into like Bobby Orr all of a sudden on this <laughs> team, where he's, he's scoring points and, and doing all the things he needs to do. And, and he's really given that blue line a huge boost. And then the other thing is their coach, Jim Montgomery, um, who replaced uh, Bruce Cassidy last summer, you know, he's a great tactician. Um, he's, he's always been a great X's and O's guy. His system that they play, um, has really reestablished the Bruins as a defensive juggernaut. Their offense, I think, is the big surprise how good it's been this year. But more than that, if you talk to those players in the Bruins locker room, they'll tell you to a man that Jim Montgomery has reinstilled a sense of accountability in there. He's got the right tone with the players. And, and he's also kind of brought a little bit of joy back to that group, like a little bit of fun back to that group that had been missing with Cassidy there and uh, and it's all added up to the Bruins being one of the best teams in the history of the regular season.
0: We already talked a little bit about the Lightning. Carolina I think has, you know, I don't know if they have the goaltending. Toronto's really good, but we saw what happened the other night. Who do you think is in the East the biggest obstacle for Boston?
1: I still think it's Carolina, but the the issue with them is is less goaltending I think in the playoffs than it is offense. You know, you you look at what has really undermined these Hurricane teams. and The Hurricanes, much like the Bruins, have been in the mix every year. Uh, they've, they've gone on a, a hell of a run in the last several regular seasons, but have not been able to get over the hump in the playoffs. The problem's been the inability to score that key goal at a key time in a game or in a series. And they tried to address that in the, in the offseason by bringing in Brent Burns from the San Jose Sharks and bringing in Max Pacioretty from the Vegas Golden Knights, Pacioretty's been struggling through a number of different injuries, unfortunately for them, so they've not really gotten a sense of what he's going to bring to the lineup on a night-in-night-out basis. Burns has been really good for them. So, I, I, you know, Carolina's got all the pieces and plays the right way to give the Bruins a real tough series, but they're going to have to find that extra goal from somewhere. And the other team that really intrigued me is the Devils. You know, New Jersey's been one of the biggest surprises in the league this year um, on, on a really blazingly fast offensive team very fun to watch um defensively they've really figured out a thing or two defensively too and they've gotten really good goaltending from Vitek Vanacek um might be a little bit too young and might not necessarily have the physicality necessary to battle a team like Boston um but the way they play they're a lot like the Bruins in the sense that they are a team that knows how to dictate terms to their opponent like we're going to play this game at this pace and if you can't keep up then we're going to beat you
2: right now based on the standings it'd be rangers devils in the first round it'd be lightning leafs in the first (laughs) round again i mean you know mark you have said for years that the first round of the nhl playoffs you think is the best playoffs going everybody's healthy they haven't been banged up yet And some of the matchups that we get now with the division lineups are amazing. Greg Wyshynski covers the NHL for ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter, Wyshynski, W-I-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. Okay, why all the delay and intrigue in Chicago, for goodness sakes? I mean, shouldn't this take six minutes? Do you guys want to be traded, yes or no? And if the answer is yes, (laughs) we're open for business. I mean, why all the intrigue?
1: Well, I think they're they're generally still trying to figure things out, Taves and Kane. And, and you know, on top of that, I mean, there's also the fact that they've got full trade protection and there's also the fact that they make, I think, $10.5 million against the cap, both of them. So even if you wanted to move them, you're going to need teams to get involved to eat up some of that cap space um, to make, make it worthwhile. Because, you know, they're both... <laughs> they're not it's not like they're going to arizona right like they're going to go to a contender and those contenders right. usually have a lot of money already spoken for so you have to find a way to also facilitate that trade so it's different layers of 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 reasons why this probably hasn't happened yet but it comes back to the core issue which is that do they want to move you know i was I was talking to somebody last night here in uh, at the all-star game just about you know this this whole chicago situation and you know, it seems like the wind changes direction every few weeks for these guys, where it seemed like Kane was definitely gone, and then it seemed like maybe he wouldn't be gone. And now it's thinking, okay, well, it sounds like he might want to go again. And then Taves, it's more like, well, maybe he wants to stick around. He's the guy, he's a captain. He he likes the, the idea of, of being the, the, the player who can help foster the younger guys that are in this lineup, and he's not necessarily looking to leave Chicago. So it, it really is baffling even to people that are closer to the situation um, where these motivations are for Taves and Kane. And, and ultimately, again, it's it's their call because they have full control over their next destination, not only for the rest of this season, but then as free agents this summer.
0: Is the West wide open, and can Colorado, if they get healthy, do they need to make a move to get back? Because the Lanch obviously has struggled with injuries, but it seems as if the West is still wide open.
1: I think, yeah, I think it's wide open. I mean, Dallas and Winnipeg have both been jockeying for the top of the Central in the Pacific you have the the ascent of the Seattle Kraken in what's been a pretty topsy turvy division with some teams not necessarily finding their groove, um, and in the biggest Golden Knights case, just being decimated by some injuries, including one to Mark Stone, who's their heart and soul and one of the best players in the league, and he's been out of the lineup and will be out of the lineup for a bit longer because he just had back surgery. Um, if he's not there, they're just a shell of a team. Like he's he's the guy that makes it work. In Vegas, so the the Avalanche have every chance to break through and, and make it back to the Cup final. I think if they can um, get a little bit healthier, Gabe Landis Cog still out of the lineup. But it's expected that he could be one of those guys that stays on injured reserve until the playoffs start, just so they can have the extra cap space. and And that cap space is going to be key because even before the beginning of the season um, and all these injuries, the the big question for the Avalanche was how do they replace Nazem Kadri as their second-line center. Kadri signed with the Calgary Flames in the offseason after they won the Cup, and, uh, and they, they tried to put in a rookie, Alex Newhook, to kind of be the, um, the, the person to replace Kadri. Uh, that didn't really work out. He's, he's still had a pretty decent season, but he's not been that guy. He's not ready to be that guy yet. So for the Avalanche to really you know, ratchet it up and get back to the Cup Final, I do think they need to make a trade um, for a center at the deadline, and if that happens... And it's the right fit, Uh, we could be talking about the Avalanche trying to potentially go back-to-back.
2: Right now tied for the final playoff spot out west, the teams who were the two best last year out west, Colorado and Calgary. That's how hockey regular seasons go. I'm just going to throw this out there, Greg. How about JT Miller? I mean, Vancouver has already started the sell-off. How about Miller? Isn't he in the final year of a deal? Wouldn't that be a perfect (laughs) second-line center acquisition for the Avs?
1: Well, he, he he actually re-signed with um with Van, with uh, Vancouver last summer. It's it's was a contract that had uh, some people wondering exactly why it happened because uh, he is a veteran guy. Um, they gave him a very very big long contract, and in fact, there's a thought that the contract they handed him is one of the reasons why they they couldn't find uh, financial ground right. with um, Bo Horvat, who was just traded to the New York Islanders. Right. Um that that's a pretty he's a very he's a very talented player and he and he definitely puts up <clears throat> really good numbers but the cap hit that he's going to start earning uh after this season I think is a, is good. a bit inflated for some teams um and then, honestly like there's a little always been a little bit of scuttlebutt about his um demeanor and uh <laughs> and and uh, ability to build uh, uh, lasting bonds in the locker room with his teammates let's say so, uh, you know, the, the idea of adding him to a mix like Colorado, which is really tight room, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure if that's, uh, that's that's the best decision for them. Well,
2: Greg, thanks for joining us, and uh, enjoy the beginning of Gary Bettman's second 30-year run as commissioner. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, if you want to if you want to trip down memory lane, we have a story on ESPN.com about Bettman and the last 30 years and the key moments in those 30 years. It's been a very exciting and, and, uh, and varied run for him. And don't forget tonight, boys, skills competition on ESPN tonight. Um, it's going to be a real fun show. Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby working together in the trick shot competition. They're like buddies now. It's crazy.
0: All right. <laughs> I like it. Enjoy what we like to call hockey weather in Florida, Greg.
1: Oh, Jesus. my <laughs> face. <laughs> My, my 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 face is is literally the the color of like marinara sauce right now. I was terrible. I did not apply anything to my face yesterday at the fan fest. It's it's embarrassing. I'm, I'm gonna go on the air on Saturday and I'm gonna look like Rocket Raccoon. No
0: terrible. no makeup needed. Greg, as always, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Take care,
1: Greg
2: Waschinsky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help it. Come down here. It's 82 degrees. You don't put sunscreen on. You're pasty white. That's what you get.
2: Yep, absolutely. Didn't check the weather before traveling. Done it before. We've all done it. Uh, Follow him on Twitter, Wyshynski, W-I-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. Former puck daddy. He's done a great job for many a year covering the NHL. You
0: you watching any of the skills tonight?
2: Uh, I might, actually. It's pouring. I think we're going to do things during the day. Yeah, I I might. Might. Miller and Moulton. Thanks for listening, Florida Sports Network.